0: What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagen. To my left, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, you've dealt with me for now a half a day, complete, nonstop, and you're not sick of me yet. I think this is a good sign. I got my fill of David Hasegan today. All of David Hasegan today. Some would say that's way too much, but (laughs) you know what? We're still going. We're still on the move. We are the Pontiac Silverdome of podcasts <laughs> nothing is bringing us down including high grade explosives pick your game up detroit what is wrong with you built for tough uh, too much so apparently folks well again you can listen to us all over the place we've got so many platforms that you can listen back on this podcast from go to footballgameplan.com fcs kickoff go to youtube.com footballgameplan for all your football game plan content don't forget we are on itunes search football game plan podcast subscribe give us that five star rating and we are on twitter at the fcs kickoff at fcs opening drive and at fball game plan that's for my man emory we've had a busy day so far folks as we said we were in new york city this morning in midtown it's been a nice little nice little luncheon and awards we're getting into award season like this is this is weird like how is it award season already this should not be happening it can't be december can it i mean it is Jeez, weird right
1: it's like 64 degrees outside
0: uh, it's, it's, it's way too much but we had a great day at the uh at the bushnell Cup Award presentation uh, for the Ivy League today. We're gonna let's take, talk about that real quick. Emery. Um, obviously, offensive and defensive player of the year awards given out. Not a not a real surprise for either award uh, for the Ivy League this year. Uh, Chad Kanoff gets the uh, the offensive player of the award, the quarterback from Quint- from uh, Princeton, and Matt Opplinger, uh, the defensive end linebacker from Yale, takes the defensive player of the award. Two very deserving winners of this of these
1: uh, prestigious awards in the Ivy. Yeah, absolutely, and you can't go wrong with either choice. It was interesting that the offense, offensive player of the year award, only had two uh, contenders, Kanoff, and also the wide receiver Justin Watson out of Penn, and you had three defensive player of the award contenders. So, I mean, if you really would have gone with Watson, that would have been a great choice. I mean, he's a record-setting receiver. Not uh-huh. just in Penn, but in the FCS. He's an outstanding player. He has shattered all of Penn's receiving records and was a constant threat each and every game. Kanoff, we talked about, uh, what you guys can see on our video preview later, our video recap later, about the things he had to go through in order to get this award or to be in this position to ultimately win the award. So you have to give him his props as well. And both all four guys, or five guys, I'm sorry, that was there in New York, were well deserving you saw the coaches there it was great great food by the way excellent food the crab mr cake. crab cake over there hey
0: i saw you getting at least a half <laughs> a dozen of those at once so i don't want to hear any of that but um sp- certainly a special event um very special young men as well obviously the term student athlete is tossed around with, and there's so many uh, athletes that do so much uh to balance that kind of schedule but when you're in ivy league school I mean you're talking I I couldn't understand half the stuff they were saying for their for their
1: majors what biomedical what home? First of all what? I I have to say I would be remiss if I didn't mention the jacket that was being worn by the Rose Bowl uh guy the chairman the chairman of the Rose Bowl <sighs> that red jacket I need in my life at <laughs> that
0: that is something Smoke I it. That's something I expect to see Walt Clyde Frazier wearing on the sidelines at a Knicks game. That was that was outstanding, first class. Uh, just a really a great event all around. The Marriott uh, Midtown did a great job putting but, it on. But so.
1: you know what was interesting? You, it, um, Ivy League Commission, not commissioner, but president. Uh, she was giving some some good tidbits. You talked. She talked about how she was letting out like, hey, in case you didn't hear, here's what we have coming next year. She talked about putting rivalry, 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 rivalry week. At the end of the season. So, Strong enunciation. <laughs> so it won't be – so it wouldn't just be Harvard-Yale, but we'll get regional rivalries at the end of the season. I was like, okay, that's great. Then she said, and also, we're going to have Harvard-Yale play at Fenway Park next year. And then in 2019, I believe, uh, Princeton and someone will play at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. I thought – I was waiting for the, the boom to come down because she was leading. I was like, okay, they're about to not they about to play in a bowl game or a playoff. And it just went on to the awards. I have a feeling it's coming. It's though. coming. I have a feeling she, it's on the she way. She was talking about the brand. She was talking about the football brand. And I was like, okay, they're about to announce some some serious news. She's like, we we take our football very seriously. And with that, we're going to announce that. I was like, oh, here we go. Playoffs. Yes. And she was like, no, we're going to have the, these rivalry games at the end of the season. I was like, all right, that's good. But I kind of wanted the playoffs or I kind of wanted a bowl game. They do not need
0: the extra money. The CIO <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, let's move on to another award because we actually, the uh, news just came down. We're talking awards. The Walter Payton award has announced their three finalists. And you were a little surprised by the three, but let's go through the guys that are going to be there. Jeremiah Briscoe, the quarterback from Sam Houston state, uh, who's thrown for now over 4,000 yards uh, this season. Almost He's up to 40 touchdowns. Unbelievable year for him. Uh, Chris Streveler, quarterback from, San, from uh, South Dakota. Also, having an incredible year, 23 touchdowns to five interceptions in the regular season, throwing 67% completion percentage. I'll take that any day of the week. And Keelan Doss is the final finalist, wide receiver from UC Davis, only a junior, number one in the country in receiving almost 1,500 yards. Receiving. Are all these three guys, would you have taken these three guys, or
1: do you have someone else in mind? You could make a case for all three, right? So I'll preface my statements by saying, all three are definitely worthy of being there. You can make a case for him. Briscoe, reigning champion. So you can understand why he's there. It's almost like Lamar Jackson being a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Strebler is coming off a phenomenal season and game. So he can be there. Doss is an outstanding receiver. Now, I'm going to throw out some names to you because I'm looking at the rest of this this list. Four through 25. Here Four the other. through 25. and. Yep. Just looking at some of these guys we've talked about all season long, it's hard to to ignore what has been going on. And remember, this is the Offensive Player of the Year. Let's call it the most outstanding. Let's call it the FCS Heisman Trophy, right? Might as well. Might as well, right? So Kyle Loletta, don't you think he should probably be a finalist?
0: 14 first-place votes. I think that's enough for me to get him into there. That's Senior Bowl invitee. Place. Devlin Hodges no, is in there. He got actually more points, more votes uh, than Loletta did, which is a little surprising. Um, Brian Shore at eight. You know, you could make a case. Dallas Goddard. You're not going to give it a tight end the most exciting player, though. That's the thing. But, 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 who's the fact, been- but the fact that he's up there that high, and you have an offensive tackle, by the way, Brandon Parker from A&T is finished number 10 that's crazy and oh that, tackle that's that says a lot man that's a that says that guy is picking people up and throwing them over the fence
1: Devontae Kincaid is is leading the 10-1 grandma's you know 11-1 grandma team I believe into their second celebration bowl second consecutive SWAC championship now it has them in position to win their second consecutive black college national championship and he's 21st feel like he should be higher yeah, and, so
0: and, I mean, all these guys have had tremendous seasons. Right, it's hard to it's hard to pick just three guys. Um, I I I like the three selections though. I think you know Keelan Doss. Um, I think he's a, he's an, he is in the running to um be a finalist for this award next year as well in his senior season if he comes back
1: and a pro prospect too. And we talked about him all the time.
0: He's a tremendous player. Um, I think. UC Davis will come back next year. A lot of it on his back. As his leadership leadership as a senior, he'll probably be a captain, I would assume. Um, Jeremiah Briscoe, if he went back-to-back, you're talking about one of the best FCS players ever. Um, and this is a kid that can just absolutely sling it, and so can Chris Strebler. Uh, so I, I, think, I think when you look at all three of the finalists, yeah, I think that I know where the committee's coming from. I like where they're coming from. Um, really no complaints. At all. You did make up uh, Devontae Kincaid, though, and let's go into the review of last week, the swack title game, before we get into round two of the playoffs. Grambling versus Alcorn. Now, regular season, this was a bloodbath. 41 14 to Grambling. We figured this was going to be it, and at halftime, it looked like that was going to be it. But as you said last week, Grambling, for some reason, likes to keep things interesting when they don't have to. And they almost let this one slip away, but they hold on
1: 40-32 to 32 over Alcorn. Thoughts? Well, again, they have to make things interesting. They get bored. And <laughs> we, I think the nation saw this last year, and there's no knock against Alcorn State. I have no. to preface my statement before I give my statement. Last year, nobody wanted to see Alcorn play North Carolina Central because Grambling was – the hot team. Grambling had the, the offensive weapons. They had the pro prospects across the board on offense and on defense. Alcorn was up in that ball game, but nobody wanted to see. It wouldn't have been great TV for Grambling not to be in that game. Fast forward to this year. You got an undefeated and super strong North Carolina A&T waiting in the Celebration Bowl. No one wants to see a mediocre Alcorn state team get blasted by A&T. Everybody Ooh. wants to see the top fifteen matchup between Grambling and AT. And Grambling nearly let it slip away once again. Shout out to the Lance Turner. He's one of the best running backs in the country. Surprised he wasn't on that list too. This guy was really part of the reason why they came back. And we know Alcorn has talent. Lenora's footman, outstanding dual threat quarterback. Marquise Walford, a senior. So they got help from three senior football players. On their football team, two senior football players, uh, running back and, and receiver, that helped get them back in the game. But once again, Grambling proved to be the reason why they are ten and one or eleven and one, I believe. And now you set up a great matchup in the Celebration Bowl in two weeks. This is going to be a fun matchup,
0: as you said. I mean, Devonte Kincaid, uh, another great game. Um, Lenore's football, we have to mention him as well. He threw for three hundred seven. Um, I'll tell you what, though, if Grambling plays anything like this against A&T this one they're going to get smacked because if they take a quarter off against A&T they're going to be absolutely punished in this game um, we'll obviously we'll preview this when we get a little closer to bowl season but either way I think that that's going to be the game that Gram- I think Grambling's been looking ahead a little bit I think they've already they've already punched it all right we're going to the celebration bowl let's get the last two games out of the way now we can focus. It's going to be a titanic matchup. I can't wait for
1: it. I will be in attendance for that ball game. Ah, uh, you you the, always get the you get the nice press passes, the, don't you? The Mercedes-Benz Dome. And since the game is on Saturday, you know what that means? Hmm. Chick-fil-A will be open in the stadium. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. The, the perfect combo
0: for any ball game, football and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Folks, let's move on now to the main event. Again, this is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Round two this past weekend, and we saw the top eight seeds come in. Not all eight of them walked out. Let's start things off with one of those upsets. Kennesaw State take a bow. They go in and they knock off Jacksonville State 17-7. to Wow. I mean, I thought we knew they were good, not this good.
1: Kennesaw State's defense was the story in this game. Bryson Armstrong,
0: eleven tackles and another sack for the freshman. And we 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 talk, We kind of where hint- is
2: this kid
1: coming from? Right. How did the FBS not snatch up this kid? Right, because you're in the you're you're next. You're down the street from Georgia State. Yeah. So and the kid's from Marietta,
0: Georgia Tech. Are you sleeping? This oh kid goodness. has been incredible. Um, Jacksonville Jacksonville State held to 99 rushing yards. Unheard of. That That is their offense. That's their game plan, and it was completely erased by the Owls' defense up front. Chandler Burks did his job how he always does it on the offensive side of the ball, dual-threat quarterback, running the option, did all he had to do because he knows what's going on the other side of that field. On the other side of the ball, they're not
1: getting through that. They held Jacksonville State to seven points. Jacksonville State was a FCS championship game participant two years ago. And had a chance to make it last year, and now they are out by an upstart program in Kennesaw State. They're not an upstart
0: anymore; they're an up outstanding.
1: You know, so program. but we we sort of hinted hinted at this last episode. We, thought, we both called that this could be a little intrigue, right? Be, up. Because we saw this offense of Jacksonville State all season long, and saw you know this is not the dominant. This is not the Eli Jenkins uh, Jacksonville state offense where right. you really had to account for him running the football and the stable of tailbacks they had. So not surprised at the outcome. I'm just surprised that they really shut them down throughout the course of the ball game.
0: I mean, total performance by Kennesaw. And I'll tell you what, with the big South now expanding beyond, you know, next year they they're bringing in Campbell a couple years. They're bringing in Hampton, um, this is a conference. North Alabama. North Alabama coming up from D two. You add that to a conference that already had two nine win and a ten win team, plus Charleston Southern, which is usually the power in that division. The Big South is gonna have to is gonna earn some respect, and they already are. I mean, Kennesaw is being the trailblazer, but it's gonna just follow up be- behind them one after the other. It's gonna be very fun to watch.
1: You you think they're ready for Georgia? Ooh.
0: Let's get back to that, (laughs) shall we? Let's get back to that. Let's move on to the next game here. And um, one of the uglier games uh, that we saw, JMU taking on Stony Brook. Um, The Dukes are number one seed for a reason. They controlled this game, but they really didn't. I mean, defensively, outstanding. 26-7 over Stony Brook. a A Stony Brook team that put up 50 points on Lehigh in the first round. But this was some ugly
1: football from both teams. And what we talked about all year long. We we just gave the dude praise just last episode. Joe Carbone, Read that stat line for me. Five interceptions. That's the Joe Carbone that we've seen throughout the course of his career. He's been playing out of his mind all season. But in the worst possible situation against a team that has quietly not been as dominant on offense, there were some opportunities for them to win this game. Five interceptions will have you lose in this game. Do you
0: think that's just him trying to do too much in this one? Do you you think that's what that came down to? Oh, I'm playing JMU, I got to do more? Or is that just simple mistakes?
1: All things can be true with that statement. You can have him trying to press and do too much. You can also have JMU doing a a great job of of taking the ball away. And Mm -hmm. five interceptions is the reason why you only have seven points. And it's also the reason why... You're down on us. You put those. You put those Dukes in favorable situations, working with a half a field. You yep. take. They're taking possessions away. You're giving possessions away, and so this is this is what champions do. This is why JMU looks to be one of the teams that that can. You could safely say could find their way back to Frisco, Texas. And and we talked about Brian Shore. He hasn't had the year
0: that he did last year. He's kind of been up and down. Had a pretty good game though this time around. Threw for 255 and two scores, um, but JMU was only held, was held under 50 yards rushing as a team. So Stony Brook's defense, they showed up again. I mean, they showed up against Lehigh, held held the Mountain Hawks to just 30 points, um, which is impressive in its own right. JMU didn't blow them away. They haven't blown away many people. I was expecting a little bit more from J- from the Dukes in this one though. I was looking maybe is this where they're gonna keep that momentum going they had in the last few weeks of the the regular season and put up 35, 40 points. They didn't do it. So I don't know if that – it's not convincing to me right now. There's no clear favorite that has convinced me really that they are the team that's going to be the favorite
1: in Frisco in the final. Yeah, and, and again, I worry about their offense, man. Yeah. Defensively, they're going to be stellar. I I worry about their offense. And if they get matched up with uh, North Dakota State, best (laughs) believe – you know the bison will want revenge and you know when you have a team that is struggling offensively going up against a, a great defense because right now you look at the defenses that are left in this uh playoffs there ain't many right you there look at many. James Madison and North Dakota State that's basically and Kennesaw it. State
0: yeah and Kennesaw so uh let's move on to the next one here and it was Wofford versus Furman another regular season rematch uh Wofford barely got out, out of the way with a win in the regular season in Week 1 over the Paladins. A much more complete performance, though, from the Terriers in this one, 28-10 over Furman, and it was the two-headed
1: monster of Lennox McAfee and Andre Stoddard
0: leading the way in this one.
1: Yeah, I love the defensive effort right there by the Terriers, and credit because, again, I was worried about Furman's ability to throw the football being a reason why they could win this game, being an X factor, and they were just dominant. You know, they really held them. Outside of that burst in the second quarter, Furman defensively answered the call, answered the bell, got these guys off the field, and you know if you get them off the field, you know the type of offense they run. Yeah. You know they're going to chew up five minutes at a time, and there you have it, and that's what happened in this game.
0: Exactly, and and B.J. Blodzikowski uh, didn't have a bad game for Furman. He, he threw pretty well, 18 to thirty-two, fifty-seven in a score. But again, you have to be able to – continue drives be able to stretch those drives get a couple more series out of it at least get three points and get points every possession against this a, a team like Wofford because of what you said how they control the clock how they control the field and if you can't get them off you're not winning that's just how option football works how a rush heavy offense works um I love what I saw from Wofford's defense I don't think they get enough credit I don't think we've given them enough credit all year defensively I think offensively we kind of Push them aside because it is an option team, and you know you know what they're going to do. You know what their strategy is to be. Kind of expect them to win, yeah. Yeah, but defensively, I, they were they've been very impressive, especially in postseason ball, which is really where you need it, where it has to count. So I would put them up as well as a defensive team left in these in these playoffs.
1: They shut the rundown, and yes, you mentioned uh, Furman's passing was excellent, but the reason why they didn't win is because they didn't have that balance. When they're able to run and throw. Right. They put up, remember they went on this stretch run in the middle of the season where they were scoring 40 points a game. They were running right past yeah. everybody. They ran up against a team that made them one-dimensional, and Wofford was able to take that one-dimension and basically throw it in the trash and say, hey, beat us with your passing game, and they couldn't do it. Oh, boy, this next one. UNH,
0: yes, we've given you a lot of crap on this show. I was devil advocate for you last week. I said that there's a way that you could beat Central Arkansas. I didn't think you were going to take me literally, but what a shocker this was. The Wildcats are still dancing 21-15 over Central Arkansas, but let's be honest, Central Arkansas shot themselves in the foot in this one.
1: Yeah, they did, man. And I guess you can't count out a Sean Mc, uh, McConnell or McDonald team. He, there's a reason why New Hampshire has been in the playoffs for 13 years straight or 12 years straight, some crazy number like that. I was totally shocked at this score. Because I know Central Arkansas has offense. I know they have the ability to dominate both sides of the line of scrimmage. I know they have talent in the secondary. They have a pro prospect and Tremont Smith, the corner. How could this have happened to this team? But once again, when you make yourself one-dimensional, you turn the ball over, you you will lose to a team that, again, we talk about defense, but New Hampshire's defense is real good. New Hampshire's defense is very good.
0: I'm concerned, though, with them now. Because, again, Trevor Knight, it looked like he went down. Based on what I was looking at in the numbers, he was not in there all the time. So that could be an issue for them going forward. If he's not able to go 100%, I think that's going to be an issue. But you mentioned, I mean, you know, Rick Holt, though, defensive star for UNH, nine tackles, two and a half sacks. He had a tremendous game, but it was all about mistakes. And, hey, Hildebrand, two interceptions. When a team that controls the ball like UNH does, they don't get a lot of points. UNH doesn't put up 30 on you. They control the game. They stay on the field. They establish the drive. And again, it's the short and middle passing game that pro-style offense that you don't see in the Southland. I think it caught them off guard because if, if if UNH was more of a Big Sky team and they were throwing a little bit lo- you know throwing deeper more of the time, I think Central Arkansas handles them easily. But if you're a linebacker and you're used to only defending the run, you don't see a lot of passing your way. Covering that becomes difficult, and I think that's the way UNH got in. That being said, UNH has gotten two gifts in the first two rounds. They were given <laughs> Did they? they were given a home game. They, first of all, they got three gifts. They got into the tournament, which they <laughs> right. which if let's be honest, if Delaware was ranked higher than them in the preseason, Delaware would be in. Let's be perfectly honest, because Delaware had a better record. Then they were given a home game. Somehow against a conference champion who had their quarterback suspended before the game and only won by 14. And then you go down to Central Arkansas and you have a team that has not made mistakes all year making mistakes and handing you the game. I'm going to call this right now UNH might be the least deserving quarterfinalist in FCS playoff history. History? Ever. Because there's no reason they should even be here. But they are. And they're still dancing. Now, whether they have the momentum to keep this up any further, I don't know. But they're shutting us up. We told them to shut us up. They have. Well, maybe not me because I'm still talking. (laughs) But Central Arkansas, you disappoint me, my friends, and you've disappointed our producer, Mike McCarthy. He's heartbroken today. You can see it in his face. The Purple Bears are no more. There is a team in purple, though, that is moving on to the quarterfinals, and that is Weber State. They took down Southern Utah in the late game in round two, 30-13. To total flip from what we saw in the regular season, and Weber, remember these two teams tied for the Big Sky. Weber put out this big post, Big Sky champions, even though they didn't get the automatic bid. Woo they showed why they should have gotten the automatic bid. They rough shot over Southern Utah.
1: You know why? Because in the first matchup, Sean Can- uh, Stephen Cantwell – was out in the second quarter with a concussion. So Southern Utah took full advantage of the guy that ended up being the reason why they lost. I mean, you look at this. He was a passing leader and rushing leader in this ball game. They didn't have to worry about that dual threat ability in that first matchup. And therein lies the problem. That's why you played the game, and that's why when you have your best out there, you're going to see your full potential. And we State, once again, Andrew Voller, the tight end, tremendous talent as well combined with a defense that's active and, and, and shows the ability to get after the quarterback, they really shut down Southern Utah's offense and he didn't really have a chance.
0: No chance whatsoever and I think so much of what Weber does comes down to Stephen Cantwell. He, he's been an absolute, you talk about an all around leader. This is a guy that I you could put in for the most valuable player in FCS football mm-hmm. because so much of what Weber does revolves around him and it's, that's easy to say with him being a quarterback. But there are some quarterbacks that rely a lot on the run. That You know that's their offense, or they have a great set of wide receivers. This kid does it all. This kid is an athlete. He's not a quarterback, he's an athlete. And he has done a tremendous job leading this team. Weber is a sneaky team. It's a very sneaky team. Now that we're into the quarterfinals, you only got three games to go. Any team can get on a three-game winning streak. Weber right now, for me, is the team you don't want to play if you're one of the top two seeds. You don't want to run into the Wildcats just because they are so consistent they have not had a really a slump all year long to be perfectly honest Uh, so
1: if you you i mean you look at that and we'll talk about this later but that's an intriguing matchup they have next
0: oh is it because well let's just say there's going to be a lot of purple flying around the field i don't know which way it's going to go but now i've got to have i'm gonna have to eat some crow i'm gonna have to eat some crow in this one i um May or may not have called the upset of the century,
1: and well, I knew you were high when you said it, so I'm well, gonna let you. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hurt you too much, but I yeah, <laughs> North Dakota State. Well,
0: they are North Dakota State, 38-3 over San Diego. Um, what can I say? A consummate performance by last year's runner-up, the previous five-time defending champions, and there's a reason that this team is ranked number two and is, has been in the top five for a long, long time sheer domination for the bison in this one in the dome
1: yeah start to finish it it wasn't even close uh and this was worse than last year's game you know and so the bison are just too strong on both sides of the line of scrimmage and they played their game to the fullest mistake free domination from start to finish
0: and let's be let's be let's just it's not oh that's a pioneer league team this is a team that was top 20 in passing offense, total offense, and number two in the country in points per game. This is not San Diego's not a weak team, but, I mean, nothing from Emilio Martinez, who ran for over 1,000 yards this year. He was held to 22. That's, I mean, Anthony Lawrence completely shut down. And this is a kid that had 33 touchdowns and three interceptions all year going into this game. Completely erased. Um, and I think what the key was, what I liked, what I saw from North Dakota State, it wasn't just the Easton Stick show. Bruce Anderson had a tremendous game on the ground for them. 14 carries, 112 yards. Ty Brooks as well. So you saw it was a little bit more dynamic than just Easton Stick either running or throwing the ball. They got the running backs involved. That's a much more dangerous North Dakota State team than what you normally
1: see. When they started spreading the field and utilizing their weapons. Game over. Game over. um, Because they can beat you any kind of way. And they definitely – well, San Diego learned that day. Uh, But, again – it was a tough matchup from Jump, and maybe if they were in a different side of the bracket,
0: San Diego had to play a perfect game.
1: They had be to. And because again, the depth and the consistency of that depth and talent is what beats you when you face in North Dakota State. And it wasn't even
0: you know we also mentioned a pro prospect for San Diego Jonathan Peterson. We mentioned how you know big of an impact he had. He had a huge impact, eight tackles and three sacks. He finishes the year, 18 sacks on the season, 25 and a half tackles for loss. This is a guy that you're going to see it as an outside linebacker, folks, on Sunday. I have no doubt in my mind. Um, but he's only one guy. Even Ross Dwelly, the tight end, another pro prospect. He's only, They're only one guy. North Dakota State is a unit, an absolutely unstoppable gold and green unit. Bison Faithful, forgive me. I shall not doubt you again. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to South Dakota State versus Northern Iowa. Now, this is one we thought could have some intrigue because Northern Iowa – in the regular season shut down the jackrabbits it was pretty pretty dominant performance from the panthers not this time though 37 22 south dakota state what was the difference in this one
1: they didn't turn the ball over and they really executed and they maximized their own opportunities on offense and that was key because this was the game that actually jump-started northern iowa's run which got yeah. them into the playoffs yeah and the way they dominated south dakota state i remember we came back in here that monday morning and was shocked at that score like they dominated the jack rabbits but revenge is best served cold like you mentioned before playoff style style. (laughs) (laughs) but i I like how they came back and bounced back and again it was a total team effort it wasn't one side that was more dominant than the other all three facets really needed to, to work in unison to win and that's what happened. Defensively, they gave up some yards, but they really clamped down when they had to, and that's why they were able to come away victorious.
0: And Taron Christian, another tremendous game. He's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in mm-hmm. FCS. Um, doesn't throw for a ton of yardage, he's very, but he's very precise, 19 of 28. He's very smart with the football. That's a big difference, and that's the kind of quarterback you need. You don't, need, you don't necessarily need a gunslinger to win playoff games at any level of college football. You need a guy who's going to be accurate, who's going to be smart with the ball. And Christian, I think, is one of those guys – who, again, you don't say his name a lot. He doesn't come up in the Walter Payton Award conversation, really, although he was in the top ten of the finalist list this year. You don't talk about him being, oh, this is a guy that I want to see playing for my NFL team, Mm -hmm. but he's the guy you almost need on certain NFL. I can think of a couple NFL teams where he would be a good fit. Now, whether or not he decides to go that route, that's up to him, but the Jackrabbits live to see another day. Let's go to the final game. Of round number two. (laughs) The wild, wild west that was Sam Houston State versus South Dakota. And what we now know was a matchup between two Walter Payton Award finalists. Oh my lord. The stat line for this game. I feel bad for the statisticians. Their pencils are worn to the nub. The erasers are gone. 54-42. Both teams combined for just short of 1,400 total yards. Both quarterbacks over 500 yards passing. What a ball
1: game this was. Unbelievable. Where was the defense? But we kind of knew broke, this. they both right. broke down. Exactly. And this was a game we knew was going to be a lot of points scored. But the defense of South, or Sam Houston stepped up when he needed to. They forced some turnovers. And there were some turnovers in this game. Um, however... You talked about Christian's efficiency. Straveller threw a five twenty and they lost. <laughs> so and five touchdowns. Exactly. And they lost. Uh so again, Sam Houston State, no one has really brought them up in the in the championship conversation all season long. Because they can't play defense. They can't champ defense wins championships. i right.
0: That's what right. That's what that's but, what they say. But you, if gotta, you can put up sixty points. <laughs> exactly. Defense don't mean jack. It's so, right. And, and and there's a couple more in performance. Brock Van Rokel, 11 catches, 234. That's
1: ridiculous.
0: Unreal. But I mentioned something, though. I listened back on last week. It's about the running game. Mm-hmm. And you were like, eh, they don't get to run the ball. Rushing yards, Sam Houston, 203, South Dakota, 117. Corey Avery with another 100-yard game, controlling the ball when you have to to slow it down and make sure you get that extra possession and it mattered in this one, Sam Houston. I I don't know what defense they're gonna find. They're gonna face a defensive team somewhere, but who can stop this kind of offense?
1: James Madison.
0: See, I don't know if they
1: can because this is they're, they. I don't think they've seen a defense this this fast and this high flying. We, we got to see. You know if, what I mean? If if they can, and this is this was the issue last year. Because remember, last year their offense was probably better. Um, Sam which Houston. Is scary State, to think about. Which is scary, right? Their offense was outstanding, but we saw that they couldn't we saw in the Chattanooga game last year that they couldn't deal with pressure. And that carried over into the following game in which they lost. And here's the thing if you're James Madison, if you're uh North Dakota State, hell, if you're Kennesaw State, you've shown the ability to take a team's strength and make it a weakness. So South Dakota wasn't that defense. And we know Sam Houston is gonna come in with, with their offense can they handle pressure is going to be the key can they handle not having the ball that's what they're
0: going to have in the next round in the quarterfinals can they handle not being on the field for that long folks we're going to take a quick break here coming up we'll break down the quarterfinal matchups it's getting down to the nitty-gritty we're down to eight eight teams trying for that championship moment in frisco texas we'll break all four games down When we come right back, David Hasshagen, Emery Hunt here on the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We'll be back in just a quick
2: minute. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbro Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19.
1: OCSB.com.
0: Folks, welcome back to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, David Hashagan, with the Czar of the Playbook, Amory Hunt. Don't forget, folks, to follow us on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and at FBall Game Plan. And search us on iTunes F football game plan in the podcast. Subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. We like to get a little reward for our buck. So give us a little uh, shout out there. And tweet us out, follow us whenever you can. We'd really appreciate all you guys listening in every week. Emery, let's go now into the quarterfinals. We're on our way to Frisco, Texas. We're down to eight teams. You only need two more games in order to get to the promised land, as it were. And we got some weird matchups. We got some, should I say, intriguing matchups in, in the quarterfinals? Intriguing. Very Intriguing. Let's start with the first game. It's going to be Friday night. All these games, by the way, folks, on ESPN two. So now you have no excuse not to watch some FCS. For oh, I don't have a, I don't like going on the internet and listening. You know, I don't want to get the ESPN. It's on TV. There's nothing except for the Army Navy game, which is tremendous on Saturday. You got nothing to do on Friday night. You got nothing to do leading up to the Army Navy game or after it. There's no excuse to watch some quarterfinals of the FCS. 7 p.m. Friday. The number one seed, JMU, hosting the Weber State Wildcats. Now, Weber State traveling cross country, going to be a test. A lot of purple in this game,
1: but this could this be a trap for JMU? Do you think? Yes, because of the offense of Weber State. Defensively, we know they can they can get stops. Weber State's defense, James Madison, best defense in the FCS. Their offense has been inconsistent and if you don't if you have the offense that can put pressure on the opposing team offense to to match scores it could get it could be a problem. I see this game being one that's going to be outstanding, a lot of purple like you mentioned, but it has a ton of intrigue and you can't use home field advantage because of uh, Harrisburg or Harrisonburg, Fredericksburg, wherever it, Harrisonburg, Harrisonburg. Harrisonburg. Come on. You know i was struggling, Harrisonburg, Virginia. <laughs> Even if it's cold, Weber State is coming from Utah. So it's going to be all about inside the white lines and those are the type of games that I like. And I think this one's going to be a good one.
0: I think the keys for Weber State in this game is, number one, make sure you take every opportunity you have on offense. We know what JMU's defense can do. So getting points on a majority of your possessions is going to be key. I think if it's under 50% scoring percentage, they don't win this game. The other thing I think is they have to force JMU to pass the ball. JMU's run offense has not been good. And Brian Shore has not had the year that he had last season. I don't think he has I don't know if it's he doesn't have the weapons or whether it's just an off year. Sometimes this happens with quarterbacks. But he's been making mistakes in the passing game. And if you're JMU, you gotta establish the run. You have to establish the run in this game, and you have to win this game in the secondary. Because you know Weaver State, they you know, they don't necessarily put up 30 or 40 points, but they're pretty good in the air. So I think the key in, for JMU, win the game in the secondary on defense and make sure the running backs are involved. Because if it's Brian Shore and him alone, Weber State might have an advantage in this one.
1: Yeah, and again, it's about what can they do extra to, to win this game. This is like a championship game. You're playing the national champion. What can you do as a, as a team talking about the Wildcats to, to be better than the best? And that's going to have to happen. So these type of games, you're going to see the element of surprise, maybe an all-side kick, maybe a trick play here or there. But something has to happen in addition to playing a good game like we know they will. And so that's why I think this one will be a lot closer than people think.
0: And I think for Weber State, too, it's uh, also about establishing the run for them. Because you know how good JMU's secondary is. This is a team that it's not easy to get anything going through the air establish the run, get them to cheat, and then you can hit them over the top. That's the only chance you've got, and even that might not work every time. So for, if you're Weaver again, take every opportunity on offense to get something on the board or at least get good field position. It can't You can't have three outs against this JMU team. That's how they win. Let's move on to another matchup. And now this one, let's move to Saturday now. It's a Saturday game, noontime. Wofford, North Dakota State. Interesting contest here. Now, North Dakota State, they have they have shown the dominance that JMU has not in the playoffs and in the last couple of weeks of the regular season. Wofford, on the other hand, is a team that doesn't really care who they're playing going into it. They have their style. They know what they're going to do. The question is, can they execute? Can they execute against a North Dakota State team that's going to be ready for it?
1: This is going to be interesting. Don't make the mistake I did. No, no, don't, no, 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 no. Don't no, do no, it. No, don't do no. it. They will at you, I can tell you that. They'll <laughs> be right. in your mentions. Oh, they already are in my mentions. Every time Carson Wentz has a good pass, they're, they're in my mentions. But in this ball ballgame, it, it's interesting because Wofford, as much as on the surface, it doesn't make sense and, and, and it's not a good matchup, right? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But we know that's not the case. But we also know how good North Dakota State is. Yes. So I can see this one being like the Weber State-James-Madison game. I don't see Wofford breaking their tendencies and maybe throwing a football. They threw the football 11 times last game
2: against Furman.
1: I don't see them going over. That That was high. I see them, you know, maybe going six. They're not going to break their – they're going to dance with the person they brought to the party. That's their option game. And they're going to hope their defense can do a great job of getting off the field on third downs.
0: I think that what North Dakota State is going to have to look to do, I think it's not going to be thir- not just third down, but fourth down. Because when you're an option that's offense, true. very often if you're at a fourth and three, you're going to go for it. So if you're a North Dakota State defense, making those downs will be extra critical. I think the biggest point for the Bison is getting an early lead and stretching it. Get, go up 10 or 14 nothing, Because as an option team, you know obviously that's what my alma mater, Springfield College, runs. If you go behind, it's very, very tough to play catch-ups. The only thing I can say for Wofford is obviously they can control the clock, but they have to force Easton Stick to be the difference maker in the air. You know what he can do on the ground, and that's where he thrives. If you force Easton Stick to throw, I think there's a chance there that you can shut, shut down this offense a little bit. Not shut it down completely, just keep it close enough where it's with a one-score or a ten-point game, whereas an option team, you can still come back and make an effort, but Wofford has to cash in.
1: They have to maximize their opportunities, man. You, it's almost like you're playing an option team in North Dakota State. You can't leave any possessions wasted on the field. That option has to cash in. They have to get points. When you drive down the field, you better come away with three. Points add up. It doesn't matter if it's three or seven, but you have to come away with points uh, when you're playing North Dakota State. And I think what North Dakota, another key for North Dakota State here, obviously
0: it can't be Easton Stick versus the world here. I mean, as good as a control as he is, as good of a – commander in the backfield as he is running this offense you need to get other people involved and bruce anderson i think is going to be a key player he got 100 yards in the last game if he can get that kind of yardage and be that productive it takes a lot of pressure off of Easton stick and what he's trying to do and really opens things up and the bison again it's about controlling the option and getting the stops but this is a totally different size option football you don't get these big linemen that you have to push out of the way they're fast, and they're going to undercut you every single play, which is annoying as hell as a defensive lineman. They're just going to take you right out at the, at the shin. But you're talking about if if they can get a push up front, and they should, they control this the in the trenches, and I think they can really kind of dominate this front and shut down whatever Wofford's trying to do offensively. Should be interesting. Should be a very interesting game. I, I think North Dakota's just got a, a little too much, though. So you're not going out on a limb again? Nope. <laughs> I ain't making that mistake twice. I can tell you that. Okay, next game on the schedule, 3 p.m. Again, ESPN 2 for all these games, folks. 3 p.m., <sighs> New Hampshire. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who's not happy about New Hampshire making this run, and that's the guy, that's the athletic director booking all these. <laughs> <plugs>. All right. <laughs> first, I mean, the ball is there picking up, man. <laughs> first Central Arkansas. Now you're going to South Dakota. The, oh. the SID just got to be like. Oh, you got to sh- be kidding me. Calling the alums up. Would you like to donate a bus <laughs> and you help us out here, <laughs> New Hampshire versus the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State? If this was a Animal Planet matchup, New Hampshire gets by easily. Wildcats against rabbits, this should be simple. <laughs> but it's a football game. New Hampshire, again, they don't deserve to be here. They shouldn't be here. They should have been eliminated twice. They're still around. They're still here. They're still surviving. But is it the road come to an end at? The former of South Dakota State? They still have a chance
1: to survive in this one. If we're being honest. Really? They do. They may actually move on again. This is a team that, that they've now reached a point where they expect to win. Defense travels. Run game travels. Special teams play travels. All those coaching cliches. I see you over there doing a yada, yada, yada. I get it. But this is, for some reason, there's something about this New Hampshire team. This is, a, this is the Alabama of the FCS where you don't want them to get in. They're, they're not Alabama. Alabama's good. So it's like if North <laughs> Dakota State was left out unfairly? Yes. Okay. Yes. So maybe that was a bad analogy. Terrible but, analogy. But, Go on. <laughs> but New Hampshire is the team that no one wants to play because they've been here for 13 years. And now because of the brackets... They have a favorable matchup that they actually match up against. They match up well against South Dakota State. See, I completely disagree. And
0: I think the reason behind that is Taron Christian. What okay. did we say before? He's smart with the ball. He doesn't make the mistakes. What happened really is the first round you had a quarterback in, from Central Connecticut You could State, toss that one out. Who, well, again, a quarterback that didn't have experience, and so he made mistakes. Right. Central Arkansas. You're playing a different kind of defense. You're not sure, how, not sure how it's going to match up. They made mistakes. South Dakota State is kind of similar, really, to what New Hampshire faced last last week. Now, some would say, okay, that means they're going to be ready for it. That also means the offense is ready for whatever they're going to throw at them. I think Tyron Christian is, again, a very good field general. I think he'll know not to force anything against this kind of defense because New Hampshire's defense – you have to give them the credit because they have been the they've been the driving force for them getting to the postseason. Has been the defensive side of the ball. If you're New Hampshire, you have to keep that defensive control. And I want to see what they can do again. Trevor Knight looked like he came out of the game. So is he going to be 100? percent Can you produce without him? And I think New Hampshire, you got to get a little bit lucky. I'm I'm sorry, you're playing. I mean. You're playing Jack so if you win you get a little little lucky rabbit's foot maybe but <laughs> Is that you play for the rabbit's foot? I I just I think South Dakota they they've watched the tape from last week again very similar type of offense they know what not to do and I think that's going to be the key part cuz you that, that's a team that you have totally different offense from what New Hampshire usually plays against and that's why they were I think they had enough time to prepare and were expecting that they, other teams didn't know what New Hampshire was going to bring. Now they do.
1: Here's what we can agree on. South Dakota State cannot turn the ball over. Because no. we know New Hampshire makes people pay. Yes. And that is what could be the difference in this ballgame. The
0: final matchup, 8.30 p.m. Night, Night game. Night late, late game in Huntsville. Nightcap on ESPN2. Kennesaw State at Sam Houston. You could not get any. If, if, if we got a spectrum of offense that you can expect you are at the furthest point possible without getting to triple option on one side between these two teams i mean you talk about styles make fights this one would be mike tyson taking on floyd mayweather (laughs) two totally different styles of fights here who who i don't know
1: who i don't know who wins this game
0: I can't pick any anybody in this.
1: All right, let's 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 go down let's break the list. It down, break it down. Let's for break me. it down, on the, and I'm and you you tell me which side you 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 lean toward. Go on. Run game. Kennesaw, but not by as by as much as people think. So you're slightly leaning toward Kennesaw. Slightly. With that. Okay. A lean. Passing. Slightly. Sam Houston. Offensive line. <laughs> Questionable. So it's a push. Push. You calling it a push? Push. I lean toward Kennesaw, quite honestly. Defensive line. Defensive line, Sam Houston. Sam Houston, they got P.J. Hall outstanding. I agree with you there. Linebacker. Kennesaw. You love linebackers at Kennesaw. Secondary. Sam Houston. Sam Houston, okay. Because they're used to playing the deep ball, which they won't get. I see this is a push, though, because really? Kennesaw does a great job in taking the ball away. They True. got ball hawks back there. True. So I think this is a push right here. Special teams. Special teams? Poof. Oh toss-up it's a toss-up so it's a push right so this is a fairly even matchup it's an even matchup in the weirdest way possible exactly it's so so strange this, this is why it can't like here's the thing we talked about defense meeting up with an offense like sam houston state here's your opportunity defense this is a defense this is like if you take away the the yellow and black take away the name of the school and just call it defense you'd say okay this is jacksonville state right yeah so, I think this is going to be a really good game. They match up well. Can Sam Houston stay disciplined of defensively to stop the option? And that's the key. I think the key for Kennesaw, as you mentioned it, control the clock.
0: I think Kennesaw, they're going to need something. They're going to need a little bit of pep. Points every possession. because you know what nice. Sam, I like that. Because you know what Sam Houston can do. Here's the thing. Yeah, they have ball hawks back there. It's still Sam Houston. This is a team of Jamaican sprinters basically on this team they are fast they're athletic and they can get up sam houston again it's about limiting the power that you're going to face on the offensive side of the ball cuz they're not gonna, they haven't faced anything close to this i mean all respect to monmouth but monmouth isn't putting up doesn't have the possibility of putting up 60 points a game i'm sorry it's just not happening i think the key for sam houston not only getting them off the field but getting Corey Avery involved. Again, he's the kind of the X factor. You don't nobody talks about the running back in the number one pass offense in the country. But he might be critical in this one because again, they're gonna be looking to go deep. You throw a few draws, a little little play action at him. That could be what affects this game on defense. I, I, I still can't call this one. I still have no clue. I have no idea.
1: It's going to be fun, man. And but this is going to be a nuts game. Absolutely nuts. We we will learn a lot about Chandler Burke's ability to throw the football, because they're going to be they're going to have to make some plays in the passing game. Obviously, we're also gonna we're also going to learn about Sam Houston's ability at the second level. They got a ton of speed and athleticism at linebacker. Can they stay disciplined? That's the biggest key. Mm. I love this game. I'm glad it's a nightcap. I have absolutely nothing to do Saturday night. I am going to be again yes. no game broadcast and nothing. I, I will be watching this game in my in my in my house on my couch with a nice tall bottle of Duval. Very nice beverage. Classic. Nice nice beverage. Cuz this is going to be a really good game. I, and I'm not again, and people probably ask like why you never pick a game on a show? Because I want you to watch the FCS Kickoff so you get my pr- uh predictions. So that's why. I let Dave pick all the all the games, so that's why I'm not giving you predictions. And just a, a breaking news update: Kyle DeLuca of North Dakota State accepted his invite to the Senior Bowl. Outstanding and well deserved. With this game, though, I want we're going to learn a lot
0: about how mature and how ready Kennesaw State's program is going into this game. Because if they get over, there's a good chance they could get overwhelmed by this kind of offense. I'm going to pick Sam Houston. Oh, slightly slightly. That's I fair. think I think this is gonna, it's going to be a lot closer. I think Kendall will get stops. I just think that kind of an offense is a little too quick and a little too powerful. I think Sam Houston just pulls it out. We're basically at the end of the show, folks. Emery, you got
1: uh any other plans? Obviously, you got a I told you what I'm doing. I am doing nothing. <laughs> Listen, last week I got I, just when I got out the game, I got pulled right back in, right? I was, I told you I had no broadcast. And then I had uh <laughs> I was at a high school game, which was turned out to be a double overtime thriller in Stafford, Virginia, between Oscar Smith High School and Colonial Forge High School. Oscar Smith has a really good linebacker that's committed to Virginia Tech. They won in double overtime. Cam Ron Kelly is going to be a, a tremendous talent. He's a junior. He's a guy that's getting recruited by everybody in the country. And uh, Colonial Forge has a kicker that can hit 54 yarders. So, again... That, was, that that was So I got called into that game. I was doing that game. Now I have no plans. I don't have anything on my schedule. So it's going to be all FCS football, a little bit of Army-Navy, but all FCS football playoffs this Saturday. I cannot wait. So I have nothing to do. And sad news from the Louisiana Raging Cajun front. Our head coach, Mark Huspit, was fired yesterday. And so I, I have heard some rumors of who that could be. The name is escaping me, but I think I've seen some rumors that an FCS coach might be moving up. We also heard some. We also heard some rumors about Casey Keeler, possibly looking being looked at for a job at the FBS level too. Oh, and shout out to New Mexico State. We got to give New Mexico State some props, folks.
0: Folks, you, this is a story that I. If you weren't going to mention, I was, and I know this is an FCS show, but when something historic happens, you got to mention, mention it. New Mexico State, the Aggies, won their sixth game, and they are going bowling for the first time since 1960. It's the longest drought of any team that has been to a bowl game previously. It's been a long time coming. By the way, they were in the Orange Bowl in 19, uh, in the Sun Bowl, I believe, yep. in 1960. It's about time that the Aggies got back. It's great to see them back. And that crowd was rocking, too, and they schooled them in, with, like, 30-something seconds Last left. Last minute of the yeah. game, placement <laughs> so. just went berserk. I was expecting them to be kind of screwed over, though, by the committee thinking, oh, it's another team from the Sun Belt. You got to put them in. It, that's got to happen. And, again, folks, as much as we're going to be watching, obviously, a lot of FCS action. This is one of my favorite weekends of the year, the Army-Navy game. Um, obviously, I have, I have an uncle that went to West Point. I am. So happy that the streak got broken last year. Army gets to sing second. And the way they're playing this year, they're singing second again.
1: Well, here's the the thing. They actually are in position this week to win the Commander-in-Chief Trophy.
0: Outright. Outright. So, you know what? Navy, you're getting sunk. All due respect to my god-cousin, who's also a sub-commander, don't get sunk. But the rest of you... You better go. You better get ready to go down with the ship. Army singing second. Go army, beat navy. Folks, enjoy your enjoy your weekend. It's December. Don't wait until later on to get your Christmas presents. Get it done Friday. Then get home, and spend the Saturday on your couch, enjoying football. David Hassigan, Emory Hunt. Thanks for so much for listening. We'll see you next weekend.